thank you for joining us. It's another episode of Not D&D, which is brought to you by EN Live, part of EN World, the leading tabletop news and review site. I'm your host, Jessica, and very excitingly with me this week, we have two guests from Cubicle 7. We have Elaine and Emmett here to talk about Warhammer Age of Sigmar Soulbound. Um, thank you so much for coming on to speak to us. Um, yeah, if if I could get a little bit of an intro about uh, kind of what you do at Cubicle 7 and how you're involved with the project, that would be great. So, um, Elaine, you're the um, Soulbound producer. Can you tell us a bit about what that involves? Yes, I am. Um, I am the producer on this wonderful ship. I um, have been uh, taking over the, the helm from Emmett. Um, gosh, what was that, about like six months ago now or something? Maybe a bit longer. Probably a year. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Maybe, maybe I don't know. <laughs> um, this time. But, yeah, so uh, I oversee the line and uh, all of the, the various folks who are working away on it and uh, add my own not insubstantial contributions in terms of writing and all this sort of nonsense as well. So that's that's me. Amazing. And um, Emmett, so you are the creative director. So um, so what 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 does that entail? That sounds like a very big job title. It sounds fancier than it is. Yeah. Oh really? Yeah. Okay. <laughs> um, well, uh, originally I was I was producer on Soulbound um, mm-hmm. for early development launch myself and Lane worked together, uh, and then Lane joined the company. Um, as a creative director, I kind of I get to oversee all of our lines. So um, that's all of our Warhammer lines, uh, Age of Sigmar, 40K, uh, Wolf Rope, um, Doctor Who, and then all of our own IP stuff that we have in development as well. Um, the Victoriana that we've we've announced, a few other things we have on the go. And um, so I kind of just between myself and Dom, the CEO, can help uh, give our our input at key points during the process because we we don't really have the time or. To, to go in and actually get to do the writing and the actual design anymore much. And if we do, that usually just slows down the project. But, uh, but yeah, it's just, it's just uh, that um, helping the producers kind of guide the lines a little bit. The producers get to decide mm-hmm. the, the line plan for the book. Um, yep. And then we'll feed, feed into that and think, hey, maybe we could do this, maybe we could do this. Slap us Thanks. on the wrist and say, no, that's dumb. Don't do that. All <laughs> oh, right, getting insight on how that works. I've, I've done this before. It was a mistake. <laughs> <laughs> well, um, we are here for an hour. And as I say, we're going to be talking about Warhammer Age of Sigmar, the Soulbound. Um, if you have any questions, please do pop them in the chat. We'll be happy to answer them. Uh, so we'll pop them up on the screen and answer your questions. So feel free to put them in. We're just going to be a couple of, well, three geeks chatting for an hour about tabletop RPGs. So feel free to join in. Um, but yeah, so I want to talk about the game, obviously. But before we do, I always kind of get into the guest backgrounds and tabletop RPGs, like when you first started playing and how that you know moved into working in the industry. So um, Elaine, what was the first tabletop RPG you played or that you can remember? <laughs> I think technically the first TTRPG I played was um, an old Games Workshop thing called Inquisitor, um, which okay. was uh, it was sort of it was a D one hundred system. It was mostly used for like sort of little skirmish battles and stuff. There's still a pretty mm-hmm. decent little um, community out there who play Inquisitor twenty eight mil. Um, if oh, okay. Who watches, they might know that. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, yeah, that was that was probably like my first ever foray into it, and it was very very bare bones um, at the time. It was mostly show up in a room and shoot each other, and all the rest of the narrative was just built around that. Um, but uh, yeah, from there I moved on to uh, a lot of the the usual sort of stuff, like your your Dungeons and Dragons various editions, and mm-hmm. uh, like a little Pathfinder, World of Darkness, and sort of uh, all those all those a little good bit of bits. everything. 
And how did you go from um, somebody who kind of played tabletop RPGs to somebody who's who's like job is making them? So how what was that journey like for you? Yeah, uh, for myself, um, I uh, went to study at Aberdeen University. They've got a games design and management course, mm. uh, which is normally steered towards video games nowadays because Aberdeen, yeah. Dundee, Scotland. Um, they've got a lot of ties with like Rockstar and all these mm-hmm. other things. So there's a lot of uh, a lot of video games companies in Dundee. So I came here to study uh, video mm. games, and I worked in the video games industry for the better part of a decade. Um, oh, cool. But uh, that's sort of my initial passion for telling stories and playing mm-hmm. role-playing games just kind of followed me all this time. Yeah. And uh, I found myself feeling very constrained by video mm-hmm. games. And yeah. uh, I eventually started sort of working more on my writing in my spare time. And then I saw a wonderful um, sort of opportunity for freelance writers uh, on this was when mm-hmm. the Soulbound core book was just being written. Oh, wow. Um, it was it was the bestiary. You were looking for people to write fluff for spooky monsters from all the Warhammer stuff. <laughs> and being a, a big Warhammer nerd myself, I was like, "Oh heck yeah, I can write <laughs> spooky Ratman and all this sort of stuff." So, did some freelancing for a year and a half, um, and then I got offered a full time position, and then mm-hmm. another year or so of uh, working as a, a developer, and then I got the the pr- producer offer. So that's where I am today. So a little bit of a circuitous uh, <laughs> yeah. sort of going through video games and then coming into ttrpgs no but i think like you said it's it's a different way of telling a story because i i mean i mean not all video games are hugely story narratively driven obviously but i think mm. a lot are and and you know like you say it's it's a way of telling stories and and creating them and tabletop rpgs are an excellent way to do that so i imagine there's loads of transferable skills so it's not as bizarre mm. i spent a year working in digital games as well so i just did a year and came back though so i wasn't as dedicated as you were. <laughs> um but um emmett um so i'm gonna ask you the same questions as elaine so i'll start with what was your uh first tabletop rpg uh you played yes uh i think my first entry point was the dragonlance books I think oh, yeah. the, the actual the novels. My sister gave me those to the point where mm-hmm. when I read The Lord of the Rings, I went, this guy just ripped off Dragonlance. Um, <laughs> Amazing. Yeah, the, <laughs> but yeah, and I, I'm from a small enough town, so there actually wasn't any game stores nearby. So my first encounter mm-hmm. with actual like D&D or whatever was uh, Baldur's mm-hmm. Gate, um, the, the video yeah. game. Yeah, And yeah. that was at a time when you would get them in a box and it was like five discs of really showing mm-hmm. my age now. But it came with like a really thick booklet, which basically had the AD and D, the Advanced Dungeons and Dragons rules in it. How did it? Oh, cool. Um, I that. Partially, so kind of between that and playing the game, I kind of reverse engineered the AD and D rules yeah. okay. to play with my friends. Um, nice. And then we found a group, and like we ended up playing like loads of weird, like Ars Magica and um, Inamine, and obviously D and D, and then Third Edition and Pathfinder, and um, kind of trying everything uh, since. Um, so yeah, but that was that was my first entry point was was Baldur's Gate, I think. Um, nice. Then from like career wise, how how I got here was I did animation in college um, in in Dublin here, um, and sorry, I, I did video games first. Um, I did a game That's design well. two, okay. two year game design course, um, mm-hmm. and then it was very very broad, sort of like you need specialized to get into the industry. So I went to do animation and I started the animation college and realized these people are way better at drawing than I am. Um, <laughs> okay. But uh, thankfully I was mm-hmm. actually 
that that typical end of year project that you have to do. Um, I yeah. ended up being kind of pushed into the role of organizing that, and inadvertently, that was my first steps to becoming a producer. Mm-hmm. Um, so I finished up, went into the animation industry for a while, transferred over to kind of transferred over to kind of mobile games, um, mm-hmm. and then the job I was in, I was getting to the point where it was kind of miserable to work in, um, and I started in my spare time publishing on the DMs Guild. So writing oh, yeah. adventures and publishing on DMs Guild, knew that kind of stuff as a, as a kind of creative outlet. And then uh, one of my friends sent me a, a link to a, a, a job opportunity in Ireland for a well-known tabletop RPG company. Um, and it was the, kind of the perfect meeting of, okay, they needed a producer who knows um, tabletop RPGs. So I applied and got the job working on um, producer on Soulbound and The One Ring and Adventures of Middle Earth. Mm-hmm. Um, so a few years working on that, and then yeah. as we've grown over the last few years, that kind of moved up into that creative director role. Um, I'm working with the rest of the team as we've we've grown out and expanded to, God, like thirty people. I think we've hired four oh, new producers, developers in the last four weeks. So wow. there's, there's a well, lot you've, you've, going on. Yeah. You've been busy. This is this is not D and D, so I'm not going to go into detail about it. But obviously, you had Doctor Who released last week, the fifth edition mm. version. So you know mm. you're doing a fair few things. Um, but the, and we had you, um, some of your colleagues on talking about um, Warhammer Fantasy as well. Um, mm. So there's a lot of things going on at Cubicle Seven, which is great yeah. to see. Um, Warhammer but, Fantasy alone. Sorry, sorry, just go ahead. No, no, no you're saying sorry. I was just going to say, the Warhammer Fantasy alone, I, I worked it out at the end of last year, and in two years had released 16 mm-hmm. books, um, which is just ridiculous. Plus all the other lines, you know, I think 8 came out yeah. for Soulbound, between 4 and 8 came out for Wrath of Glory, the Doctor Who core book came out. You know, it was, it was basically two years, I don't know how much content we released. It's a it's a busy time. I've just started a war. I say just started. It's been a couple of months now. Warhammer Fantasy game, and we're doing the just one of the adventures. And we're it's they're big adventures, so we're going to be a while getting through them. So I think it's going. Yeah. I think it'd be a lifetime getting through sixteen books just because <laughs> yeah. there's so much content there. Yeah. Um, but something for everyone. But I'm not going to talk about that because there is. If you are interested, there is a whole episode where we're talking about Woofer Up, but you can go back and listen to that. But uh, this week we are here talking about uh, Soulbound, so we've got this beautiful book here. Um, so, um, Elaine, if for people that aren't familiar with the setting and the world, um, could you give us kind of an overview of of you know the story stories that you're telling and the setting? Yeah. So the. Soulbound is set in the Mortal Realms, uh, which are uh, the series of eight elementally attuned planes. Um, and it's a very high magic, high fantasy setting. Um, so lots of, you know, you've got crazy uh, magic steampunk dwarfs kicking around. You've got giant 11 mm-hmm. foot tall tree people, immortal undying warriors forged from lightning and all this very, very like uh, big high fantasy gonzo stuff going on all over the place which is great fun and uh with soulbound uh, the goal is to sort of embody these really epic heroic characters and individuals mm-hmm. and go on these great big adventures across the realms where you are you know the big heroes the big guns that people call in um i think uh, when we we compare it sort of to people who are used to to uh, like sort of Dungeons and Dragons and whatnot, uh, we tend to say uh-huh. that a starting hero, like fresh out the gate in Soulbound, is equivalent to sort of maybe close to like a level ten hero in uh, Dungeons and Dragons. So you're okay. already 
very powerful and you've got yeah. some epic history and you're chosen by the gods and bound together into this group of destined heroes and you know um so it's uh, a lot of good fun with mm -hmm. like the power fantasy yeah. but the other sort of uh, goal with it is to make it all um a really nice slick system so that mm -hmm. you know when you when you think of like um a level 10 like party in D D people might start mm -hmm. to go uh, cross-eyed at like, oh my gosh, everything's going to be crazy and everyone's going to have a billion different abilities and stuff. Yeah, I was going to say. But uh, it's about giving that feeling of epicness. So, you know, you're diving into combat, shooting lightning from your fingers, you're managing to eliminate like an entire horde of enemies like per turn and all this sort of stuff. But it's done very simply with very simple dice pool systems mm -hmm. rather than lots and lots and lots of... Uh, sort of systems and everything all interacting with each other so uh so yeah that's kind of the vibe i guess is epic hero you can see on the screen there your your first archetype is one of our stormcast eternals vel diving into the fray um, yeah. with the uh, lightning off the sword and, and all this sort of stuff so lots of big bombastic epic stuff that sounds uh really awesome so uh, i like the sound of that so um Talking about, um, maybe if we start uh, to talk about the game, stuff about character creation. Um, so you're going to be making these powerful characters, it sounds like, uh, but it's not going to be too complex. So how do you go about creating uh, a character? Do you want to take this one? Uh, yeah, sure. I'm, I'm, I'm happy to talk about the stuff at the start of the, the inception. You could talk about the actual the, the rules. But, uh, but yeah, with the characters, because it's, it's such a... The Age of Sigmar is such a big world. And there's so much going on. You essentially have eight infinite realms. Um, mm -hmm. to not overwhelm people you have mm -hmm. these archetypes to choose from and uh, okay. one of the goals of Soulbound early on was you know we wanted it to be pe for people who had either played Age of Sigmar and wanted to play an RPG or mm -hmm. people who are brand new to RPGs and wanted a nice you know a, a new experience so awesome. simple dice okay. system d6s um, character creation is very there's very few choices on the surface at character creation if you pick the archetypes so Okay. You pick an archetype, it'll give you an array of stats. All you have is body, mind, and soul. They're your three stats. It'll tell Simple, you what nice. they are. Mm -hmm. um, it'll give you a core talent, which is just the thing that your character does. That's kind of the, the main thing about them. So, you know, mm -hmm. If you're a wizard, it's casting spells. If you're the, the storm cast, it's protecting it, other people. Um, then you have a core skill, which would be you know spell casting or, uh, or, or combat or whatever. Uh, then you have a couple of choices of talents and skills, and you get some equipment. That's kind of it. Your character's done. Um, nice. use that those few choices and you're done um, for people who are more familiar with RPGs um, we have a um, like a custom character creation so it's just like you have 35 mm -hmm. XP to build your character and you spend okay. points on getting talents and getting attributes increased and all that kind of stuff so um, but that's pretty much just where you start the archetype is just where you are now when you become soulbound and then it completely opens up there's, there's no levels mm -hmm. or anything like that the progression is you add your skills increase um, we have training and focus, so it's a dice pool mm -hmm. system. So if you have training, you get extra dice, and you can have up to three levels of training. If you have focus, you can get plus ones to your results, um, and then you get talents, and they kind of expand and change what you do and, and, and things like that. So your archetype is kind of just where you start, and then it just completely opens up. It's a, it, it's a completely open mm -hmm. character progression um, once you get past that. But uh, yeah, the character creation is very quick when you're making it. If you want to just dive in, the character is pretty much mm -hmm. done. I think you have like a few choices to make and you're done. But if, if you want to start from scratch, you can really dig into the dig into nitty gritty. We've, we've so many books yeah. out at this stage, there's like 250 talents to choose from and 
10 different species and 100 archetypes or something like that. I'm not sure what it is. Yeah, I was going to say, um, you kindly sent me lots of gorgeous images, which I'm flicking through on the screen now. Um, and there's a lot of books uh, coming in the titles here. Um, so where, where if somebody was completely new, obviously you have the, the starter set, where would you say, other than the starter set, would be the best place for people to, to kind of start and go, Elaine? Um, if you are wanting to give the system like a very, very quick try, um, mm -hmm. and, uh, it's a case of like, you know, um, we just want to sit down. We want to try this out with our group. We actually, for last year's free RPG day, mm. uh, we put together a game, uh, a PDF called Reap and Sow. Uh, you can find that on our website. Um, and uh, that is a, it gives a cut down version of the rules. It gives some pre-generated characters, like simplified characters and uh, like a scenario that you can run through. Um, mm -hmm. So if you wanted to just give this uh, a try with your party, um, uh, say you're taking a, a break from your regular game and you want to dip your toes in and see if this is, this vibes with you, um, mm -hmm. you could always dive in there and that's zero cost of entry. Um, so that's, uh, sort of the first place I would point people to if you just want to if you just want to give it a wee try and maybe see if this is for you um, mm -hmm. and then after that yeah 100% the starter set um, similar to other starter sets we do at Cubicle 7 it is designed as this uh, tutorial with replayability essentially okay. so it will it comes with a, a city guide and this is our uh, city of Brightspear um, and uh, it gives you all this introduction and everything um, to the city and a city guide, a bunch of adventures you can play, and then one narrative adventure it takes you through as it introduces you to all the mechanics. Um, but the goal at the end of the starter set being your party can continue to have adventures in Bright Spear because you've got this whole city explained to you and you've met characters and you're established mm -hmm. here. So, so that would be definitely my suggested entry point would be. That's great. Try it with so, Yeah, and then, I Great little freebie try before you buy. I just put the link to that in the chat. And if you're listening to the podcast, it's in the show notes. So you can check that out there. Um, Emma also shared um, an, a link to an article. It was like a, a one year on. Is that like a summary of the history of it all? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Because the, the game actually launched during the pandemic um, mm -hmm. in, in like May of 2020, I think. So last mm -hmm. year, um, kind of one year on, I said, hey, we've actually done a lot of stuff. If you're new to Soulbound, here's where to get started. And this is a good guide. Mm -hmm. If you're a player, get this. If you're a GM, get this. So it might just be worth um, for folks if they're interested in it. It's a, it's a good jumping off point. Since then, we've released another, I don't know, six books or something like that, but it, it still <laughs> it still holds true. Um, mm -hmm. But uh, but yeah, it, it, it's a good jumping off point. Um, and again, I think with, with the starter sets as well, mm -hmm. we always try to make sure, like we did with the Uber's Rec event, the Uber's Rec one for Warhammer Fantasy mm -hmm. is we want to make sure it has lasting value for people. So it comes in a nice hard box. You get your dice, you get rules reference sheets which can be used when you're just playing your game and mm -hmm. you'll play through the, like that adventure booklet and then you might not touch it again but then you have the 64 page city guide that has a whole guide to a city and eight more adventures and we have some more mm -hmm. adventures online that you can buy that are set in the same city so it gives you a real serious amount of longevity there um if, if you want to buy into that there's there's tons of tons of playability in that excellent speaking of games we have had a question about uh when does ear of the beast release are there any dates or are you and still in a planning mode for that one. Yeah. I think uh, Era of the Beast, we're aiming for uh, mid to late September, sort of. Yeah. So your neck on the line. 
Am I neck on the link? <laughs> I know people are very excited for Era of the Beast. It's um, uh, yeah. What's what's that going to be for people that don't know? There's clearly clearly at least one fan here in the chat. <laughs> so um, one of the things about uh, the Warhammer uh, Age of Sigmar battle game like the war game that games workshop make um, is that it has this evolving narrative so mm. you know it's not a static setting like god's clash it's very like a greek pantheon type things where gods will betray exactly. each other and do these things and new mm -hmm. gods will emerge some will get slapped down or whatever and all this sort of stuff so air of the beast is our um essential book that sort of catches people up because when Soulbound was first released mm -hmm. obviously the narrative has progressed since then like a new god mm -hmm. has two new gods have come to power and all this sort of stuff so Era of the Beast essentially updates this and it adds more player options and everything as well some that people have really been looking forward to the big one we revealed was uh, Draconith which are okay. you, do you want to play a dragon? Here here's a dragon an actual yes. character is a dragon because um, we're always one of the great things about Soulbound is that since mm -hmm. everything is so high powered, we can have some really wild uh, character archetypes, like player characters, you know, out of the box in the core book, you can play an 11 foot tall, uh, like tree character and all this sort of stuff. And uh, yeah, we've had our, um, yeah, there's, there's, a, there's a nice... And we put up some blog posts essentially talking about, yes, these are these are dragons. This is a full dragon. You can play as the scenario of the beast. Not a dragon um, person, a dragon. <laughs> yeah. Um, so uh, we, we've joked previously. Uh, yeah, yeah, Clara really not really knocked out of the park. And uh, yeah, we've we've joked previously that now all we need to do is let people somehow play a dungeon, and then we will have. Uh, <laughs> Somehow succeeded and let people playing Dungeons and Dragons, um, but uh, <laughs> but but whilst not being Dungeons and Dragons, very clearly. <laughs> well, it sounds. I mean, it's a really like you said, it's a really big kind of evolving world with lots going on. You kind of gave us a bit of a, a whistle stop tour of it, Elaine. But this is a big world. Could you talk us through in a little bit more depth about kind of the lore and the world and all the different realms? Because there was a lot going on when I was doing my research and reading up for this. <laughs> yeah, there is. Um, it's definitely one of these settings that you could look at and think, oh, that's potentially quite overwhelming. But mm -hmm. one of the great things about it is so you have these eight different realms, um, mm -hmm. and uh, but they're essentially infinitely expanding uh, arcane bubbles in space that are elementally tied. So mm -hmm. the um, uh, like the starter set and everything is set in the realm of Akshi, which is the realm of fire. Mm -hmm. So um, everything there is sort of thematically themed around fire. So you can still find, okay. you know, like mountains and cold areas and whatnot, but mm -hmm. the majority of places are going to be like, you know, um, like sort of hotter than average. You're looking like parched deserts and flaming volcanoes and all that sort of stuff. Uh -huh. um, and because these realms are sort of infinitely expanding, there's so much space for you to kind of build your own stories there. And mm -hmm. uh, it's, you to start playing, you don't need to have an encyclopedic knowledge, essentially, because the average person on the street doesn't yeah. have an encyclopedic knowledge of mm -hmm. these eight other realms. They know that somewhere far away, there's a realm of death where apparently when you die, you go there, I guess. Um, but uh, oh. most people, except for that one time that all the dead got back up and tried to kill us, and that was... That was that was mean. That was you know a necroquake. You know it was happened about you know a few years ago. It was really messed up. Um, but we try mm -hmm. not to think about that too much. So um, they are these uh, big, like infinite realms. But uh, you can still sort of 
tell these nice, quite contained stories in these like specific cities, or if you have people in your party who are like big lore buffs or really just want to explore, mm-hmm. you can go on these great realm hopping adventures. You can get in a in a in a skyship, uh, and mm-hmm. uh, like we put out a, a nice PDF which was for a uh, a Caradron skyship called the Grund, which has mm-hmm. shown up a bunch of our adventures now, and uh, people love them. And uh, it's all hey, you want to go on a on a realm hopping adventure, here's the grund, go on these great big, go across all the realms and explore and because um, that's potentially part of your, your soulbound remit mm. is to, to go and explore uncharted areas. I think that that's one of the things as well that makes the soulbound unique as well mm-hmm. it, it, because uh, th- there's kind of been three ages. You have like the age of myth when there was gods walking the earth and they made all mm-hmm. these incredible cities and yeah. different different civilizations and they rose up. And then the chaos seeped in, the corruption of chaos and the demons and all that okay. kind of stuff, which led to the Age of Chaos, which was like centuries of just horribleness, just absolute terrible. <laughs> um, Sigmar, who's the main god of the of the setting, retreated mm-hmm. to his realm, the realm of heavens in his ear, and closed mm-hmm. the gates and wouldn't let anyone else in. So anyone who was left outside was basically slaughtered. Um, and then, yeah, uh, and then the age of Sigmar happened, which is Sigmar comes back and he's made these demigod-like beings, the Stormcast Eternals, who show up in this bolt of lightning and come down and just smash chaos to bits. And slowly they start to retake the realms. Um, mm-hmm. But you have these bastions, kind of ping, pinpricks of light, uh, the cities of Sigmar within this that are built out in like ever-expanding concentric rings as they start to push stuff further and further back. So your average person has spent their entire, this happens over centuries. So the average person yeah. has spent their entire life behind the walls, but the, uh, the soul bound are bound by the gods and they will actually go beyond the walls and see mm-hmm. what's out there. And, and they will actually travel between cities and things, which is almost unheard of. Um, mm-hmm. So that makes you like really unique as a character that you will go beyond the walls. Um, and you've actually seen, seen past your house kind of th- in, 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 mm-hmm. the, in this setting. So you have that epic level feeling where you feel like a hero, but again, there's a reason people go don't go on the walls because you do have that power of fantasy right up mm-hmm. until you run into the thing that can smash you into the ground. And They're then just realize, strong, right, yeah. yeah, there's there's always mm-hmm. a bigger fish. Mm-hmm. No, that sounds great. I really like that there is so much lore and there's so much in the world. But like you say, you can make a character that's coming to explore it so you don't have to sit and study before you uh, approach the table which i think like you say sometimes some people think that's what they're meant to be doing before they approach a big game um so i think it's really important to to mention that there's there's not the expectation that you're going to come to the table and and know everything and like i I assume that's the same if you're running the game as well as a a game master so um yeah and i don't know what kind of recommendations you'd give to to gms looking to take on running a game of this for the first time yeah, so so I suppose with that thought again, with going back to the core book, we wanted this to be accessible to to people. So you know, there is a infinite realms, but in the core book, we focus on Akshi, um, which is the realm of fire, which has had a, a quite a, a big part in the history of the Age of Sigmar. Um, mm-hmm. The book touches on each of the each of the realms, gives you a little bit of information on each of them, but then focuses on Akshi. And then when mm-hmm. we're doing the starter set again, it's a good starting point because it gives you a little introduction to the world and the setting, like what are the mortal realms, that kind of macro overview. And then you have this city. So the GMs only really have to worry about that city. Um, right. And gradually, as you play through the adventure or when they're exploring mm-hmm. the city, you meet each of the factions, which mm-hmm. will tell you a little bit more about the world. And, and the players can engage yeah. with that as they want, and the GM can as well. So you're not quite, you know, you don't want to be overwhelmed by it because there's a lot. Sure. You know, the, the, there's eight infinite realms, there's different gods, there's, mm-hmm. um, there's the fire slayers, different kinds of dwarves. So you have the fire slayers who, 
God has been shattered into a thousand pieces and they hammer his uh, remnants, fossilized gold into their skin. And then you have the Caradron who don't really believe in their God anymore and they fly in the sky. You know, so there's, there's so much going on with it that you don't yeah, want to Yeah, those are cool stories. Yeah. Yeah, the starter set will ease you into that and then you kind of mm -hmm. start to fall down the rabbit hole, really, I, I think, on that. Um, I, I think I've heard from a lot of people that... Um, the actual Age of Sigmar core book, if they're fans of the, the battle game and other places, the Age of Sigmar core book is a really good place to learn about the lore. Um, oh, a lot yeah. of people actually use that as a reference point, even if they're not playing they're not the game. <laughs> yeah, yeah, or they're, okay. they're into the, war, the battle game, they will pick up the Age of Sigmar core book to get an understanding of exactly where things were, because we're lucky enough to be able to bring that into one, yeah. one book. So are you saying this is your sneaky way of trying to make more role players? That's what yes. that sounds like to me. You're like, yeah, Always. it's just a lore book if you're into the battle game. I mean, yeah, there's a role-playing game there, sure. I mean, maybe you just look at that. I don't know. Yeah. Oh, absolutely, <laughs> yeah. I mean, that was always the intent yeah. with it. You know, bring over bring over the, all the people who are playing uh, Age of Sigmar and get them playing a role-playing game. You know, and that's try and make it as welcome as possible because if you mm -hmm. play if you play a, a tabletop war game, you have a lot of D6s, and this game yes. needs D6s. So that, was, <laughs> they, you know, that, that wasn't by accident. Yeah. No, that makes sense. Um, Elaine, you talked about you started off working kind of on the beast area, making amazing creatures. And could you talk about some of the monsters and, and villains that people will find in the beast area? Perhaps like one or two of your favorites or ones worth mentioning? Oh, my gosh. Um, <laughs> Sorry to put you on the spot. <laughs> no, no, no. It's, it's one of those uh, lovely things about the Age of Sigmar um, setting is that there are so many... Uh, monsters and factions and enemies. You've got uh, chaos, uh, which comes in five different flavors. So you know you've got uh, uh, corn, who's all you know big, muscular, war-driven um, individuals. You've got Nurgle, who are all plague bearers and like you know pustule-riddled people rocking around. Uh, you've got you, all your uh, your Slanesh characters, who are all like graceful. And uh, like sort of obsessed with perfection, um, and uh, all your like crazy spellcasters and zinch and everything, and you've also got all the skaven now as well, who are like mutant rat people, and that's that's just one faction. Yeah. And each of those is you know, um, so there's 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 so many because they're divided into uh, what we tend to call the grand alliances. Um, so there's a grand alliance for chaos, which are all of these mm -hmm. ones. There's a grand alliance for death. Um, which is there's factions entirely made up of ethereal ghosts called the Night Haunt, um, who are like the armies of the dead. Mm -hmm. um, but then there's also a bunch of um, essential, essentially sort of robot skeletons um, who have been uh, sort of specifically yeah. built from the bones of uh, other dead individuals and, and given these like crazy... Um, tasks to go to war and everything and then of course you've got all your vampires and ghouls they're all under death as well um, and uh, my gosh I'm trying to think there's there's honestly so many <laughs> has to be the hell pit abomination has to be I'm just going to go will... and say it's the hell pit abomination yeah. it is a nightmare fuel yeah yeah uh, it is uh, it's uh, it's definitely one of the ones I had the most fun with the hell pit abomination is this ridiculous skaven monstrosity that's bioengineered mm -hmm. to go onto the battlefield and, and just kind of murder everything and um, nice. we uh, got to yeah we got to have a lot of fun um essentially trying to build a monster that would be an absolute nightmare for a party to deal with mm -hmm. um, and it's just uh, grotesque and horrible it's 
Yeah. Um, lovely art for it, though, mm. in a grotesque, horrible way. Um, yeah. One of the nice <laughs> things about the, um, the, the, the mm-hmm. monsters and things is um, one of the systems we have in Soulbound is called Doom, um, mm-hmm. which is literally the doom of the, the world. Um, so doom, doom starts at one, and as it goes up, things get bad. So it can be used by the GM to reflect how people are feeling and uh, like generally the mood of the world, you know, so if Doom's at one, everyone's kind of relatively okay. There's always mm-hmm. a threat there, but they're relatively okay. As yeah. it starts to go up like around three or so, you might see people on the streets might be acting a bit more aggressive. They're not, they're not, mm-hmm. you know, as kind to each other. And that, as it goes up, might actual fights break out on the street and, and stuff like that. So it can be really used as a narrative yeah. device for the GM yeah. to describe the world, but we also have enemy abilities that tie into it, you know, mm-hmm. where, it might be something like the Hellpit Abomination. I can't remember it exactly, but it'd be, oh, if Doom is over three, it deals double damage. Or if it hits you, it instantly okay. kills you, like things like that. So it's oh. kind of mechanized it in some places how we do that. Or it has a number of dice equal to the Doom. It gets extra dice equal to the current Doom and stuff like that. So there's a lot of really okay. nice interplay with with that kind of thing that, that we've managed to, to bring into the game, which gets that extra level of threat. And it, it drives, the mm-hmm. I think, the party to make sure... To, to help people, I guess. And that's one of the big things about Age of Sigmar is that sense of hope and that you are heroes. Um, heroes, yeah. <laughs> yeah, you don't have that you meet in a tavern thing. It's like you are literally brought together by the gods to help save the world. <laughs> you know, it's that kind of Avengers level kind of thing. You have your own Nick Fury bringing you together. Um, so it, okay. it's that level and, and, and to be that heroic level, unless you buy one of the other books, which I think you showed up there a second ago. <laughs> uh, yeah yeah actually, I, I can absolutely show more i was just uh talking about the beast here to start with now mm-hmm. um but yeah I, I i love that doom mechanic because it seems like a really good way for the gm to kind of make the pitch the you know the beast to be at the right level for the players depending on how how things are going so that's a really nice kind of mechanical thing to make it like fit narratively into the world um but yeah i did uh jump onto this soulbound champions of death book which sounds very cheerful um, <laughs> could you talk us talk us through this book because the cover on this really caught my eye it's absolutely stunning on there um but yeah elaine could you talk us through uh the champions of death book what's, what's that got here yeah so we've been doing um these additional books which are so out of the in the normal sort of soul bound out of the box you're playing as these god forged heroes etc um, and uh, but as mentioned, there's there's these grand alliances. There's like the the grand alliance of death. There's a grand alliance mm-hmm. of destruction. And uh, so we're also giving people options. So well, maybe you want to play as the vampires or the ghouls or you know the giant mm-hmm. skeleton warriors or necromancers or ethereal ghosts. Um, so champions of death is our player options book for that, which lets you take on the roles again they're still these high-powered characters and mm-hmm. normally what happens one way or the other is that uh, you know when uh, the gods of death see that the gods of order are rocking around with mm-hmm. you know crazy heroes um a party of you know uh, soulbound individuals well they're like well hey we can make one of those too um so you get to play these groups of villainous characters Nice. Um, in the case of death, uh, or in the case of destruction, you get to play as uh, normally they're they're sort of the uh, as we call them like lads on tour because they're mostly they're just kind of <laughs> interested in uh, they're just kind of interested in smashing stuff normally and finding a good brawl, a good fight. Um, they fight for the sake of destruction, you know. There's it's almost mm-hmm. non malicious. It's a case of just like oh, they just they just really like breaking stuff. Um, so. Uh, so that's Champions of Death and Champions of Destruction are both these big player options books. Mm-hmm. 
together a bunch of new character options, new species, new spells and miracles for the different gods. Mm-hmm. And uh, they are, yeah, they're very popular. They're very, <laughs> people I think one of the nice, nice things that you've done with these, Elaine, as well, is w- with Champions of Death, we introduced uh, this idea of dark rituals, which are these mm-hmm. kind of, the yeah. things that the, um, the forces of death can do during that time. Like for the ghouls, it's, you know, turn people into ghouls. Um, yeah. Necromancers can raise an army. Vampires can turn other people into vampires. They can do all of these like villainous plans that you normally yeah. see from the other side of the heroes. You can kind of go and start doing that stuff with the, with these dark rituals. It's some really nice stuff. And then mm-hmm. Champions of Destruction. Um, so in the main game, uh, Soulbound, there's a thing called Soulfire where you draw on the power of the party, all mm-hmm. of you together. So you have a number of Soulfire equal to the party members. And mm-hmm. when you spend a soul fire, you can do all of these crazy things, like max out all your dice. Mm-hmm. They all count as sixes, or you come back from the dead, or stop stop yourself dying, things like that. Um, but then, Elena, do you want to talk about the Champions Destruction with the, the wah? Yeah. Try and see how many times you can say wah. And... Wah. <laughs> the wah. The wah. Three A's, one G. Um, <laughs> so, uh, yeah, the uh, all the Champions of Destruction, um, they have this sort of battle cry, which is wah! And um, it's, uh, you know, it's this sort of, nobody really quite understands why it works, but when they wah, and when there's enough of them get together, it's like a psychic gestalt force, and uh, it lets them do crazy things. So rather than having soul fire, you have uh, the wah, and soul fire is normally the individual draws on the power of the party, and I am going to do yeah. the big epic heroic thing. Whereas in Champions of Destruction, it's someone goes wah, and everyone goes wah, and then you all get a big bonus, and you all get to be a big, you know, horde <laughs> of uh, folk running forward and being epic for like a turn and everything. And it's it's trying to make sure that yeah. things like baseline mechanics really lead into the fantasy of these different characters. The hundred percent, yeah. Yeah. And then we also, each of the books offer uh, ways for people to make like intermingled parties as well. So if you want to okay. play a vampire inside a bunch of uh, good guys, um, then you can. We offer like guidance for these sort of things. It's these sort of anti-hero type characters and why yeah. and how could you end up in this situation where you have a, a troll or something that's somehow ended up being bound by one of the gods of order um, or vice versa. You know, you have a party filled with uh, destruction champions and mm. somehow your your human is caught up in the middle of all that. And uh, those can make for some really interesting stories. Yeah, I was about to say, I was going to say what, like, I don't know what circumstances would end, end you getting up to that place, but you can have some interesting stories coming through, definitely. Um, we've got the Champions of Order book here as well. So this feels like it'll be a little bit less chaotic. Can you talk <laughs> us through through that book? Yeah, uh, Champions of Order was one of, it was one of the early books that we brought out not long after mm-hmm. the core book, um, and it adds in uh, more sort of order-aligned archetypes. Uh, most notably, it adds in the Lumineth Realm Lords, Mm-hmm. Um, who are uh, a bunch of elves um, who are like elementally attuned and whatnot, and uh, they have they all like to wear their big hats. Um, <laughs> who doesn't? Yeah. Who doesn't? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, so uh, we wanted to make sure we added them in, and again, they have like all their own unique magic and everything, and uh, more archetypes, and also an absolute bucket load of talents. Um, and uh, spells and everything. So it's, again, just more player options, but focused on that Grand Alliance order. Um, mm-hmm. sort of. 
and, and lots more endeavors as well, which is another thing the system has, which mm. is it's oh, kind yeah. of mechanized downtime. So after every three or so mm. sessions, you can do an endeavor, which can be, you know, go and make some armor or um, visit a site and like pray or, or um, I can't think of any of them now at the moment, of course. <laughs> go um, gambling. <laughs> Go gambling, yeah. Go fight in like a gladiatorial pit, and um, or just try and make alliances, find out rumors and whispers and things like that. So there's there's Start a lot of those. Start a business. It's my favorite. Start a business, yeah, yeah, exactly, <laughs> yeah. Um, so there's there's loads of those kind of things across all of the books. Um, you know that that uh, I think it really adds to that downtime period by kind of mechanizing it because you you get a little bit of downtime, not much, before you get sent off on your next mission. But it it, it really yeah. helps people engage with the world and build relationships with the people they're trying to protect. Because I think with Soulbound, unlike a lot of games like something like D and D, where I think mm -hmm. often you're going from like dungeon to dungeon, you're going, you're just kind of following mm -hmm. this trail and and going on this big road. Generally, mm -hmm. with Soulbound, you kind of it's like you, okay, well you're protecting this city. The city is important to you, so like you're kind of you start okay, to get to yeah. know the people there, and you're dealing with all the problems, and that's when like doom goes up if you don't help the people and everything like that. And for the most part, you're kind of you're almost staying within the walls. You you are one of the few who will go beyond the walls and fight these problems. Mm -hmm. But you, your kind of home base is this city that you're kind of set to protect. Um, so it gives you a lot more ways to engage with that and, and build those relationships and, you know, care about the people you're protecting, which I think is, uh, yeah, it's, again, it's, it's that, that fantasy of just actually you know, being a hero, I think. Yeah, mm -hmm. and that's not the hero that just, like, swings into town, kills the thing, is like, thank you, peasants, goodbye, and wanders <laughs> off. It's, it feels more personal <laughs> than that, you know? Yeah. Um, yeah, amazing. Um, I did have one more book, which the cover got me on as well, which was Shadows um, in the Mist as well. Um, so uh, I don't know, Emma, if you could talk us through kind of Shadows in the Mist, because it, it the, the, the tagline at the bottom, it says, uncover the rot at the heart of the City of Scales. And I was like, interesting, good tagline. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, so Shadows in the Mist is our first campaign book that we released for Soulbound. It's uh -huh. set in the city of Anvilgard, which is quite a unique city. It's um, mm -hmm. it's in actually again, but it, it, it's kind of to the north of the continent. Um, it's this, the, basically the where it's built. There, there's um this primal jungle around it, and it's again, it's one of those mm -hmm. things where you get a lot in Age of Sigmar, which is this. It's almost like the jungle is alive, and it was trying to reclaim the city. So they have this uh, defoliant gas from these cannons that shoots out and kind of keeps the the um. The jungle at a distance and kind of kills it but it means the whole city is covered in this green mist uh, so mm -hmm. you have these like corsair pirates wandering around and like there's all this kind of uh it's it, it's it's a city of sigmar but it's kind of there's a lot of uh corruption and and um that kind of uh, um the rogues gallery of stuff going on there the shadows in the mm -hmm. mist campaign is a six-part campaign where you are sent to uncover what's going on uh in the mm -hmm. city um why the you know the forces of chaos or whatever have been allowed to take root and and rot within here um so you're sent in to figure out what's what's going on uh, and over the course of the campaign you kind of do but you will cover this plot as to what's happening and um you realize that it goes all the way it goes all the way to the top um <laughs> but again, go, yeah, yeah going back to what lane was saying about the evolving mm -hmm. narrative without giving too many spoilers this mm -hmm. leads into directly into one of the major events um of the agency where battle game which is the broken realms okay. um so you actually meet a lot of the characters that appear in that story it's its own okay. story but it kind of sets it up and it's again you become very close to the city and mm -hmm. all the people in it and then something terrible might happen then after that um but uh <laughs> yeah the the and but then we have a guide to what happens after that that major event for 
for again avoiding spoilers but the uh, campaign itself is its own unique thing there's lots going mm -hmm. on you have um first one is you go out on a, a ship and you have to go and fight vampires and then you go on an expedition into into the jungle where you have to you're in charge of looking after 50 to 100 people so it's that oh, kind of God. scale that you're on you know there's mechanics for that and then there's a ancient temple you have to go through and then a sickness mm -hmm. starts spreading through the city and there's all these really major epic events that, that comes to this big culmination at the end um where you're you've you're on a ticking clock to try and save the city essentially um which elaine wrote two or two one or two of the adventures but was heavily involved in all of the development of this um as well so um yeah it's a it's a it's a really good book um it's 250 odd pages i think so it's, it's crammed with with stuff in there amazing so that's kind of the campaign book so if you're wanting to kind of lead into the world and go through the big epic adventure that's that's a good one to get there yeah, um all the books that we've mentioned here are available from cubicle seven on the website uh our games age of sigma soulbound which is there and um i'll put the link in the notes as well so if you don't want to type that out because it's a lot there you can just click the link and if you're listening to the podcast you can just click on the show notes there as well um so another question i kind of had was we've talked at uh, in passing as mechanics throughout the game, but I wondered if there were any kind of specific mechanics in the game that you wanted to highlight and talk about that that we haven't kind of come to yet or um, that I haven't known to ask you about. Are there any particular mechanics in the game that you wanted to just kind of show off and talk about while we're here? Um, yeah, I guess I'm quite, a, I'm a big fan of the way we deal with um, zones as we call them. So rather mm -hmm. than having to worry about fighting on a grid, um, or yeah. having everything being very abstracted, uh, we have sort of they're they're semi-abstracted. So we we uh, divide if you go into battle or whatever, we divide everything up into zones. So, and they're normally the way I like to think of them as um, is almost like um, sort of cinematic shots. You know, if you imagine a camera panning around a, a dramatic fight scene or whatever, you know, mm -hmm. like all oh, these people are fighting over here on top of the statue. And then this is the statue and everything around it would be a zone. And then okay. oh, there's a corridor down here where these people are fighting. Um, and then you sort of build this this tapestry of zones as you go out. Mm -hmm. um, and uh, it means that a lot of movement and everything, you're moving uh, in and around zones. So you don't have to be quite as, you know, oh, I move five feet and then oh, I have a 35 mm -hmm. foot movement there's not as much like fiddling around with precise motions when you yeah. shoot a big fireball type attack you mm -hmm. hit everything in the zone um okay. and uh, it lets us again do these it's big broad sweeping actions i charge into this zone and i i run up to this person and i do these sort of things um and uh, it's totally changed how i run most of my other games as well like it's once you get used to thinking about it in that way it makes all of my sort of the, the way that i build combats and everything in my head like it's just like mm -hmm. yeah this this makes sense to me i can i can put it together in my head so i think zones have been one of the the big ones for myself yeah i th i think for for me as well like obviously the whole game isn't isn't about combat but i do think one of the places that soulbound mm -hmm. has excelled especially if you're coming from uh, D and because uh, i played D, D for years but i think everyone kind of agrees that combat can sometimes be a slog um mm -hmm, yeah with, with soulbound it's built from the jump to have a lot of people you're 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 a big hero so you should be fighting a lot of people um like out of the gate in soulbound you know if you're fighting this you know if it's four against four you're just gonna win 
you're on the scale where you're fighting dozens of enemies. Um, I, I think one of the when I knew we were in a really good place, but it was when we were play testing, and mm-hmm. I think we fought about sixty enemies in a single combat, and it took half an hour. Um, wow! So you're just like epically hacking through, like yeah, yeah. We have this thing called swarms <laughs> and minions, which people might remember from D and D four e for anyone who mm-hmm. might, who might have played it. So minions, they they take one hit and they go down. And you have mm-hmm. swarms, which is literally you have a swarm of rats or zombies or whatever. Every point of damage you do to them kills one of them. So you have like mm-hmm. there might be fifty of them, and you do twenty damage, or you've killed twenty people, that kind of thing. Um, and then we have higher tiers where you have warriors who are a little bit stronger. They have a little bit more HP. Um, champions who are, again, stronger again. And then chosen, which are pretty much on your level. So um, mm-hmm. we have this thing in the game called metal, which lets you take extra actions or can fuel talents and things. But kind of what Elaine was saying earlier, you start at a level where metal lets you take at least two actions every turn. So on your turn, you're doing at least two things. Um, so you can move in and do two, two, two actions. It could be two attacks. It could be like a fireball or you know, um, two fireballs if you want. Um, <laughs> you do have a lot going on. Um, one of the things we found with that as well when we were playing it, with playtesting and then what's up to come into the final game is because people have two actions, they're often a lot happier to experiment and do something a bit weird. So yeah. they're like, I'll do my attack because then at least I've contributed to the combat and then I'll do something mm-hmm. crazy. Do you know, like, so you, you get a lot of that and the zones that you do that, you're like, oh, I jump and I swing from the chandelier and land down on the, the banquet table that's covered in bones and try and flip the table, like stuff like that. You get a lot of um, mm-hmm. people trying we- crazier things because they can, because that's kind of the feel of the game. But uh, yeah. Yeah, combat, I think, is something I'm very proud of where where we landed with it um, because it, it really gives you that epic feel. It can be really deadly. It's It hits hard both ways, I think. You mm-hmm. know, so you, you'll take down enemies very quick, but if they hit you, you can go down really quick as well. Um, well. So, yeah, I think, I think that's one of the, the big selling points for me if, if you enjoy a good combat system, I think Solban has it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think every person I've spoken to who has played Soulbound has said that like the uh, the combat and the speed that it resolves and how it makes them feel is is like stellar. And uh, I know I know some people have said they struggle to go back to <laughs> to like fifth edition or whatever because it feels so slow in comparison. And I'm like, yeah, yeah, it's a, yeah, it's a it's good, it's good. I think I think we did good with that one. Yeah, okay. It does sound like it's very cinematic and fast-paced, like you'd imagine a battle would be. And we have people in the chat uh, commenting, saying, confirming the combat is really epic. <laughs> um, uh, so it sounds like we've covered combat a bit there, but outside of combat, so what um, other things will your heroes be doing in the story kind of outside of combat? Do you have any kind of examples of, of stories and things that you'll be doing in the game? Mm-hmm. What I was going to say, that one of the other cool mechanics that I think we've put in there mm-hmm. that ties into the Doom is we have this mm-hmm. rumor, fear, threat mechanic, okay, um, cool. which is kind of, you know, in, in the city, you can walk around and hear rumors. And mm-hmm. it's on the party sheet. You have a list for rumors, fears, threats. So as you hear whispers, oh, um, one of the mages from the college has disappeared. You're like, oh, well, that's a rumor. You mark it down on your sheet. Mm-hmm. And then when you get to the downtime period and you're doing your endeavors, Mm-hmm. that the GM can choose to accelerate some of the rumors you've heard. So two of them might mm-hmm. become um, fears, which is something that is a little bit more tangible that people are kind of worried about. And as that yeah. happens, as, as it transitions from a rumor to a fear, mm-hmm. where actually two or three of the wizards from the college are now gone missing, doom will go up by mm-hmm. one. And things are starting to get worse. People are getting a little bit more tense. And then on your next downtime period or during the same one, one of the fears will transition to a threat, which is literally, this is your next adventure. If you don't deal with this now, things are going to get worse. So mm-hmm. it kind of mechanized that you can see what's on the horizon. And, and in our yeah. own games, we've had where 
I think even in the starter set, it was like, okay, well, we just go from A to B. And along the way, we picked up like four rumors. I'm like, oh, <laughs> crap, we are going to have to deal with some of these. Or we're going to be in it. We're going to have a real problem as to what's going on. You're just playing whack-a-mole with issues then. Yeah, you? Pretty much, yeah. Everyone has, like, everyone has an exclamation mark above their head. That's uh, really nice. I like that. Sorry, Elaine, you were going to say. Sorry, I thought I was jumping on what you're saying. I like that mechanically as well because it feels like it very organically leads you towards the story without, you know, like you say, having somebody with an exclamation point above their head. So it feels a little bit more like we're uncovering the world, we're exploring stuff, we're finding issues to kind of kind of deal with, which seems like kind of the, the narrative of the world. Um, we are coming up near to the top of the hour. Um, so if you're in the chat and you have any questions you want to ask, now is the time. Uh, I'm sure if you go to Cubicle 7 on social media afterwards and ask any questions, I'm sure they'll, they'll happily answer them as well. Um, but as we're all here, why not? Um, but yeah, Emmett, Elaine, I don't know if there was um, anything you'd more you'd like to tell us about Soulbound. Was there a kind of question you would wish I'd asked you um, that you want to answer? I do have one in the chat if you don't have one ready, because uh, someone has asked, do you have any favorite characters you've built and played in Soulbound? Um, so, Elaine, I don't know if you have any favourites, characters. Uh, I think the favourite character I've built so mm -hmm. far is probably the one I'm currently playing in uh, Emmett's game. We have a game that we run. Okay. And uh, she's, a, she's a big, big, strong, eight-foot-tall Stormcast Eternal with a heart of gold. So she's incredibly intimidating to every mm -hmm. average person. Um, but she has a, a, a relentlessly optimistic outlook on life. And she's oh, just absolutely... Best absolutely enamored with all of the little people and look how look how good they're doing and after every battle she's like patting people on the back and well fought well fought and all this kind of stuff um so uh, i really love being the the big shining ray of hope <laughs> and in the, yeah. uh, in the in the party yeah, so that's, that's she's probably my favorite i love her she's great <laughs> <laughs> Emmett, what about you? Any favorites other than Elaine's character? Obviously. Yeah, yeah. I'm like forever GM, so uh, I, I don't get okay. to play more. I think uh, Vel, who's on our, who's one of our comics, is one of my favorite because it's um, mm -hmm. partially based on my partner's character that she played in the uh, playtest um, mm -hmm. and accidentally broke the game um, because oh, really? we, had a, we had she had a talent. It was like when you when you defeat an enemy, you can make another attack. And then she just wiped out everyone because there wasn't once per turn. Yeah. It was just, you could just do it. Um, one of my other favorite characters, again, is in the game we play at home is Sam's character. He has a necromancer, which is, again, we have a necromancer in the same group as Elaine's very optimistic Stormcast Eternal part. And we have a necromancer mm -hmm. who has a skeleton that follows him around in disguise. And no one else is quite twigged that he's a he's a zombie yet, zombie skeleton. And uh, one of Sam's oh, okay. short term goals yeah, was uh, get him a gun. <laughs> so now he's a zombie with a gun. So it's uh, yeah, it's uh, it's a lot of fun. It's, it's, it's he's just misunderstood. I'm sure you know. I'm on my character Ava. She's on a big redemption arc for this necromancer. She pulled him out of the slums. She's going to prove that he can be a, a good member of society. It's going to be fine. <laughs> <laughs> There's absolutely I'm... nothing can go wrong with dragging a necromancer into these ancient underground tombs powered by death magic or anything, right? Yeah. Exactly. Of course, of course. And um, and what a line to kind of end it on. <laughs> um, uh, we come to the top of the hour. I do have one more question left, which I do ask uh, all my guests, which is um, if you have any tabletop RPG recommendations that 
isn't Soulbound, the game you just told us about, and that isn't D and D. Um, so I don't know if you have any any recommendations for RPGs for people to check out. I'll start with you, Emmett, and pick on you first. Um, I have two, but I'd say most people probably know Blades in the Dark. I would say, um, mm-hmm. which is very good. My other one would be again, maybe people know uh, Ten Candles. If anyone hasn't played, I it. don't know that. Ten Candles is great. I can't remember okay. the name of the, uh, the designer. I think he's Shifty Ginger on Twitter. Ten Candles is a horror game um, where you play it in the dark with ten candles. And um, the the uh, players have, I think, ten dice. And the GM has no dice. And it's a very simple resolution mechanic. But as you go through every scene, mm-hmm. as soon as you fail a test, it transitions to the next scene. You blow out a candle and you give a dice to the GM. And that just keeps happening. So gradually, it's, the room is getting darker and darker and darker. And Amazing. the GM is getting more and more dice. And you're getting less and less dice to succeed your tests. And it just really, it re- it's a really good hard yeah. game. The environment you're in, they actually having to hand over dice. And mm. it getting darker is just, it, it's a really good game. It, I, pick it up if you can. It's, I'm it's a great definitely going to check that out. I'm going to see if I can get them on Not d to talk about that. Because that sounds amazing. And yeah, this is why... Really cool. This is why I asked this question. It's so I can just source future guests for the show. <laughs> but yeah, um, Elaine, uh, what about you? Do you have any recommendations? Um, one that I've been harping on about lately is uh, Ryutama. Uh, I'm not sure if people mm-hmm. have heard about that one, but it's uh, it's essentially, uh, it was originally a, a Japanese TTRPG. It's not a couple of years ago, it got translated into English. Um, and uh, the best way to describe it is studio ghibli meets oregon trail so you are playing as essentially a small group of like sort of villagers so bakers and um you know all these sorts of people uh, and uh, who get like an arcane wanderlust and uh, you go on these adorable adventures and the the narrative around it is that um there are dragons in this world who uh, thrive off mm-hmm. of stories. So they find these little groups and they try and build them these stories. And it feels like playing, it's like a cozy blanket of an RPG. Nice. Um, where you go on these wonderful adventures and it's not about like fighting too often and all mm-hmm. that sort of stuff. And when it does go into battle, um, it sort of uses a, a combat system that essentially, if you've played old JRPGs where you line up on rows and like, you know, make little Final Fantasy style attacks, yeah. that's how the combat plays out. So it feels <laughs> like playing one of these old school JRPGs. Um, and uh, and of course, they are and everything. And it is, is beautiful. I'm always a sucker for good art. So check out Ryutama. <laughs> played it. Sounds very good. Thank you for those excellent recommend- recommendations. Um, so we'll come up to the top of the hour. So first of all, I'll say thank you to everyone who came along to watch and ask questions. Uh, thank you so much. We will be returning uh, next week uh, with Not D&D. Uh, with a change of pace, uh, the RPG is called Broken, which is a tragic romance RPG designed for two players. Uh, so no epic heroes there and nobody will win. Um, but, and I was also like to say thank you so much to Emmett and Elaine uh, for giving up your time to come and share Soulbound with us. Um, if people have any uh, questions or want to learn more about it, is the best place to, to go to the website, cubicle7games.com? Yeah. Yep. Um, there's also mm-hmm. a fan Discord as well, which is very okay. active, um, which is really good. It's not We're not associated with it at all, but there's a really nice community there, really welcoming and open. And, and, and I think they might know more about the game than us at this stage, which is quite a cool 
tipping point <laughs> Excellent. As, a, as a designer. <laughs> <laughs> Outsourcing it. Okay. Well, thank you so much for your time and coming on to chat to us. Uh, it's been great speaking to you. And uh, that's all for this week. So thanks so much for coming along. All right. Thanks, thank folks. you. Bye. Bye. Bye.